Thank you, Chad and praise team for leading us. Where's the food? Do you remember that powerful scene in the movie Hook? Peter Pan has grown up and he's going through a a midlife crisis and the only way to bring him back to to life again so to speak is for him to go to never never land and and to reconnect with the lost boys in this effort to reclaim his relationship with his children and as as hook uh, excuse me as peter pan struggles with recapturing this zest for life he sits at the dinner table with the lost boys and the food comes out and the pans are, are hot and steaming and, and all the plates and the silverware are set. And they pause to say grace. Literally, to say grace. And then the pots fly open and the steam comes out and there's no food. And Peter Pan says, where's the food? Where's the food? As all the boys around him are are eating the feast of their life and in their imagination pretending to eat corn on the cob, the biggest hamburger you could imagine. All the while, Pan is sulking and, and begrudging them of their moment when finally... In his own frustration, he, he takes his spoon and he pretends to take whatever kind of yuck that they were eating, right? And he flings it across the room. And when it hits the lost boy, the food appears. And the boys pause. And they look over to Peter Pan and they say, you're playing with us. You're using your imagination. And that is the beginning of Peter Pan the adult recapturing the life, the imagination, the zest that he so longed for and that he had lost. What if we understood that mealtime the time that we sit down with each other around the table is one of those powerful times of relationship, one of those powerful times of imagination, one of those powerful times of getting to know each other in ways that may not be available to us away from the meal table. What if the dinner table, the lunch table, the the breakfast table, what if that was one of the key places of life to not only ask the question, but to answer the question, who are you? Who are you? As we turn to the last chapter of John, John 21, that, that is still... The underlying question that John is wanting to make sure that that we understand as he, he concludes his gospel and he takes us to a powerful and beautiful scene at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Disciples coming in after a night of fishing. 
a breakfast prepared around a campfire, fish on the grill, bread waiting to be broken and shared. What if around the table was one of those places where we share our lives, where we reflect and remember and get to know each other and to to share our imagination. Now John at the end of chapter 20 verse 30 and 31 says that he's written this gospel, he's, he's written this book so that we could know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is Lord and Savior, that He is the Christ, the Messiah. John has taken great effort to to introduce us to the signs that are throughout the Gospel of John that that prove to us that Jesus is the Messiah. He is taking great effort to explain and to describe Jesus through the seven I Am statements. And as we have seen, and even as we have just read a, a few minutes ago, John uses the come and see metaphor and invitation to engage us to know that Jesus is the Christ. And so I find it very significant and very powerful and very inviting that John gathers us around a breakfast campfire as he tells the last story and encounter that the disciples have with Jesus. Last week, Dr. Still did a wonderful job of of taking us into that conversation that would take place between Peter and Jesus in front of those disciples. But I I want us to focus on this passage and on the setting that, that, that takes place before that conversation. Again, the disciples are are kind of trying to figure out what is life going to be like from here on out. They had committed three years of their lives to following Jesus. And now that had changed. They had seen Jesus twice, but they hadn't seen him, it, it appears, since they had returned to Galilee. And so Peter says, hey guys... I'm going fishing. Maybe, again, it was a a response to vocation. I I need to go back to work. And so they go out on the Sea of Galilee that night and and they work hard all night. And as they're coming back into the shore the next morning, they have nothing to show for their work. The the nets have been empty. And along the shore comes a figure, comes a man, and they can't quite make it out. Who is that? Yet this stranger calls out to Jesus, excuse me, to the disciples and says, throw your nets out on the other side. And as they begin to haul their nets in, they're, they're full. And in that moment, they, they recognize that it's Jesus. And you can just see Jesus waving and, and welcoming them and calling them to come in and, and to have breakfast and to, to bring their catch. And they speed in and they come in as quickly as they can and They gather around that campfire as Jesus invites them to come and have breakfast. Verses 12 and 13 say that Jesus came and he he took the bread and he gave it to them. And the fish likewise. Jesus came and he he took the bread. And I I can't help but imagine as they were sitting around that campfire that, that Jesus began to break that bread. As their attention was drawn to his hands to see the the nail 
imprint on his hands. And even to remember back that the last time we broke bread with Jesus was in the upper room as, as he was telling us some things that we didn't quite understand. And, and the truth is, is we still don't fully understand what Jesus meant by his broken body and his shed blood. But, but we're beginning to understand that. And now here in this place, on this beach, Jesus is breaking bread again and inviting us to enjoy fellowship with him. You see, there, there's something familiar about the way that Jesus broke bread. It, it was in breaking bread when the Emmaus disciples finally recognized Jesus. Oh, just imagine the, the memories, the reflections, the imagination that must have sprung forth when Jesus broke bread with them there on the beach. And then as he shared the fish with them, I imagine as they were coming off of the, uh, their boat, as they were making arrangements, I can just hear Jesus call each one of them by name. Come and, and have breakfast. We, we can finish that up later. The, the fish is ready. The, the bread is ready. The, the fire is perfect. Come and, and sit and rest after your evening. And, and I can just imagine Him calling them and inviting them by name. You see, there was something that was so warm and gracious and inviting when Jesus called your name. Remember Mary as she went to the tomb. It, it wasn't until Jesus called her name that Mary knew who He was. John tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd and, and the good shepherd knows His own. He knows his sheep and he, he calls their name and his sheep know his voice. You see, there's something very warm and inviting when the good shepherd calls your name. And so I, I see these disciples, these seven disciples, they're, they're gathering around the fire and, and Jesus is breaking bread and he's talking to them and he's calling them by name and they're remembering, they're, they're laughing maybe, they're, they're crying maybe as they, they just tell the stories, as they share life with each other. But isn't it interesting that even in this conversation that, that John wants us to know in verse 12, that there's still this underlying question, well, well who are you, Jesus? Who, who really are you? And they, they were still afraid to ask but because they knew, but they didn't know, and they were learning, and they were growing more and more. And it's as if Jesus is saying to them, Come and have breakfast. And in this experience of fellowship, in this experience of breaking bread together, in this experience of calling your name, I'm inviting you to get to know me better and deeper. What about you? You, you still have those questions? If, maybe you wouldn't say them out loud, but in your spirit, in, in your mind is... Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Yes, we, we've shared some things together, and, and you're my Lord, and, and you're my Master, but, but still, who are you really? Help me to get to know you more and, and deeper. And maybe the invitation that John is sharing with the disciples is the invitation that 
the Lord is offering to you today to come and to have breakfast with Him. To come and to, to sit around the, the campfire, so to speak, and, and, and to hear Him call your name. And, and to let Him prepare some fish and, and bread to, to break and to share and to give to you. Maybe it's time to recognize Jesus on the, on the shore. That He's waving and He's motioning to you to, to come and, and to have breakfast. To come and to, to have supper with me. The fire's prepared. He, he's called your name. Come and join me. And there on the shore, He waits for you. So what, what do we mean when we say come and have breakfast with Jesus? What, what does that mean and how can we understand that today? I think there's, a, there's several different ways we could, we could look at this idea, but, but I want to focus this morning on the idea of, of personal quiet time, of devotional time, of, of just that, that quiet, that, that personal time that, that you would find to study and read God's Word to, to pray and to meditate and reflect over Scripture just on life in the presence of God, in the presence of the Spirit of God and, and being quiet before the Lord. Maybe having breakfast with the Lord is certainly on the individual one-on-one -on -one basis, that quiet time, but maybe having breakfast with the Lord or having supper with the Lord could mean that where two or three are gathered in His name, that He is there in our midst. And, and how important it is to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and to gather around and have those quiet moments around the beach, campfire, listening to each other, imagining together, praying and speaking Scripture to one another. When was the last time you had breakfast with Jesus by yourself with two or three others allowing the Good Shepherd to nurture and love you and care for you? In the Gospel of John, Jesus says in John 6.35, I am the bread. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. In John 4 verse 14, the story of the woman at the well, Jesus says, whoever drinks the water that I will give him or her will never thirst. When was the last time that you ate from the bread of life? That, that you drank from wells springing up within because you have invited the presence of God to be manifest within you. Come and have breakfast. Oh, that we would understand that all of us, all of us need to come and, and to sit and to be nourished and nurtured by the bread of life, by the, the wells of water springing up within in the Old Testament, in, in the transition between 
the leadership of Moses and Joshua, there's a, a powerful scene in, in Joshua chapter 1 where Moses has, has passed. He's, he's dead and the reality of that to the Hebrew people is becoming more and, and more real. And Joshua has been the one that's been called to, to lead God's people. And in this powerful eight or nine verses that begin Joshua chapter 1, there's the reminder to Joshua and there's the reminder to God's people to be strong and be courageous and then in verse 8 this this powerful thought this book of the law the scriptures is known to the 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 children of Israel at that time the, the 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 law this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night isn't that kind of what we're talking about here having breakfast with Jesus, reading His Word, praying and meditating over His Word. The the Lord says to Joshua and to the Hebrew people, do not let my Word depart from your mouth. Don't don't spew it out and, and don't just chew it a couple times and swallow it. But look, it says, but you shall meditate. Now, that word doesn't mean ruminate or, or chew, but the idea of meditation certainly surrounds this idea of, of chewing, of, of ruminating, of, of pondering. It's, it's the idea, don't let the Word of God depart from your mouth, but rather chew on it, enjoy it. Get all the nourishment and, and all the, the flavor out of it that you can. Enjoy breakfast with the Lord. Allow His Word to soak into your mind and your body and your heart as you chew on it, as you meditate on it. Don't just, again, don't just spew it out. Don't just vomit it up. Don't just swallow it. But enjoy. Pray. Meditate. Question. Study. Memorize. Allow the Word of God to just soak into all of your being. Can't you just see Jesus on the shore inviting all of us, inviting you to come and to eat breakfast? So, church, when was the last time that you enjoyed breakfast with Jesus? When was the last time that you just you sat down and for a few minutes or maybe for an extended period of time, you just sat in His presence and meditated and chewed and, and prayed and ruminated and, and questioned and talked, but also listened to the Spirit of God. Maybe early in the morning is good for you. Or, or maybe at noontime. Or maybe as we saw the woman at the well, maybe in the heat of the afternoon. Or maybe in the early evening hours as things begin to settle down, or maybe right before bed. When was the last time you had breakfast with Jesus? Over these last weeks as a, as a church, 
during the Easter and Lenten season, we've been talking about what it means to invite others to come and to see what God is doing among us, what God is doing uh, in worship with us, to, to come and see what God is doing in ministry and fellowship at First Baptist. And we've talked about what does it mean to be a church that, that, that has that connection and commitment to those we meet in our community to invite them to come and see what God is doing in our midst. Maybe part of that invitation needs to be come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast because I don't really know who you are. So let, let's just get together around the table and, and visit and share our lives with each other. Or maybe you'd like to get to know me better. And so let's sit around the table and let me share a little bit about my own journey in life. What if we understood as a church that God is calling us to be more purposeful in inviting others to come and to share fellowship and meal with us? I'm speaking literally of the grace of sharing a meal together. Our culture knows about the value of, of eating and sharing meal together. Our holidays are many times based around the gathering for a feast or a banquet. Uh, I think of the holiday tradition of, of Thanksgiving, of Christmas, of the Christmas meal, of the Thanksgiving banquet, of, of gathering with family and friends to share the grace of eating together, of talking and sharing our lives, uh, even in our recreation the tailgating experience of gathering together to, to celebrate game and competition and to do that as we share food together with each other because it creates opportunity for fellowship and fun. And even on the other end of the spectrum in our society, the grace of eating together around the funeral table. As we mourn the loss of a loved one, of a friend, we find great value in Nurturing our bodies and being reminded that life continues and nurturing our spirit and our souls as we laugh and cry together and tell stories. As a culture, we, we understand the value of the grace of eating together. Families know the grace of eating together, of, of listening to one another around the dinner table. Families, when was the last time you, you sat down and you shared a meal together? Not a fast food meal that you're eating in the station wagon on the way to the game. But you sat around the dinner table at home or even a restaurant and, and you talked and you listened and you imagined together. Friends and co-workers know the value of eating together. Our, our ministry staff, one of the, the most significant things our ministry staff has done over the last year is that we share lunch together every Tuesday after staff meeting. Because we know the value of just going and, and not talking about church business. Just talking with each other and sharing our lives and laughing together. And talking about what's important to each other together. Students, you go to lunch together, right? I mean, who you eat lunch with, where you eat lunch is, is an important part of high school and college. Just growing up because you share your life. You share your thoughts, your imagination with one another. 
Our faith knows the value of eating together. The early church would gather in homes to eat and to pray and to learn to each other. Acts 2.46 says this, They were taking their meals together. The early church, they gathered in homes and they shared meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So here's again a question for us. When do you breakfast with others? When do you share and engage others around the table to visit, to imagine, to walk with each other? Our church does this in some significant ways. Our, our Wednesday night meal is a great time for the church family to gather around the table and, and just to catch up with each other during the week. Our brown bag lunch that we, we host on the OU campus is a small group and we'd love to have others come and join us. We meet on the first Monday of the month during, uh, during the school year. And we sit around the table and we enjoy a, a brown bag lunch and just talk about life and about different things. The Dinner 8 ministry is an opportunity for you to engage across the generations with those in our church to sit across a table and certainly to enjoy some small talk. But what I've learned is that if we don't engage in the small talk, the big talk never comes. The talk of sharing our burdens and our, our hearts, our dreams and our joys, our imagination, that, that never comes if we don't sit around the table and just have small talk and get to know each other. Our community, our church is committed to, to reaching out and inviting others around the table as we reach out into our community with our, our Sunday supper to, to gather and to provide a, a, a wonderful meal for those that, that struggle with meal, that struggle with community, that struggle with life in general, and just to have a place to come and to, to sit and to eat and to enjoy conversation. When do you breakfast with others? In our church, we have a manifest lunch that meets once a, uh, once a month on the, on the first Wednesday of the month and it invites the downtown community to come and to enjoy lunch. And as we know each other professionally, it opens the door to get to know each other personally and to hear our stories as we share with each other. We invite others to lunch and to dinner through the Public Servants Appreciation Dinner this Saturday night. Many of you have already signed up to bring, bring a meal, but we invite our, all of our first responders, our, our IMSA folks, our firefighters, our police officers, our, our sheriff's deputies to come and, and just to enjoy a time of fellowship and meal. Come and gather around the table. Come enjoy the Family Life Center. It's our way to say, hey, come and have breakfast with us. Come and get to know us. As a church, we invite others to breakfast with us. But what about you? When was the last time you invited someone to enjoy a meal, to enjoy a cup of coffee, and just for the purpose of getting to, to know them and to engage in conversation with them, to, to begin that dialogue that would, would say, come and see what God is doing in my life, what God is doing in our church. A mentor friend of mine said that, he would never invite anyone to church that he and his wife had not invited to their home for dinner yet. That's a, that's a powerful way of connecting with others. And what it says is that, that we want to get to know you. We want to invite you to come and, and share fellowship with us. And it wasn't an excuse not to invite people to church. 
Because what they were saying is we're committed to inviting people to share breakfast, to share a meal, to sup with us. And out of that relationship, then to say, we'd like to introduce you and we'd like to invite you to come and see what God is doing in our church. Oh, that we would have a vision of of reaching out to others and inviting them to a deeper fellowship with us. This morning, Jesus invites us to have breakfast with Him. Jesus invites us to His supper. I I can't help but see this morning as we we share breakfast with Jesus and His disciples, I I can't help but see Jesus calling us from the the ocean. He's he's on the shore. We're in the sea and he's, He's calling us by name and He's inviting us to come because the fire has been prepared. The, the fish are cooking. The bread is ready to be broken. And Jesus is inviting us to come and have breakfast. He's inviting us to come and have and share His supper. Are there still times that you ask the question of Jesus? Jesus, who are you? Really, who are you? I, I, I've still got some questions. Let us hear Jesus inviting us to his supper today. For in his supper, he teaches us and tells us so much about who he is. A a supper that derived from the Passover meal. And how Jesus reinterpreted the, the Passover meal. And he talked about its fulfillment through his coming death. And through his victory over death and resurrection. When we enter into sharing the Lord's Supper with our Lord, He teaches us God's liberating story. He teaches us God's redeeming work from sin and death to eternal life. Oh, that we would come and experience and share in His Supper this morning. That we would engage the Spirit of God with our imagination and allow Him to teach us more about Him as we hold and as we taste the bread, as we hold and as we drink the cup. Let us join Him around the campfire this morning. And let us do so by preparing our hearts for the breaking of bread and the pouring of cup.